You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Good morning, Dr. History. How are you? Good morning, Zeb. Yeah, it's a nice day out there right now. So, yep, it's good. Well, you should have been a weather prognosticator back in the 1800s. <laughs> well, it's sunny right now, but that's not going to last today. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, every week is an interesting news story, but before we start, did you have anybody you want to thank or anybody you want to acknowledge? Uh, I actually do have a listener that is coming through here this Saturday from Michigan, and he has contacted me, and we're going to maybe uh, meet oh. uh, this Saturday. Okay. So he's on his way to Twin Falls and to Oregon. So anyway, so I'm kind of excited to maybe meet him and, and his family. And you can find out all about that wonderful governor they have back there in Michigan that really is not real smart. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I just stick to history. Okay. <laughs> well, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about an Indian that... I'm sure some people may have heard of him, but I never had. His name is Rain in the Face. Okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's translated, it means actually face to the storm. Okay? Now, we're going to talk about him and George Armstrong Custer and the Battle of the Little Bighorn. Okay, buddy. Well, you've got the floor. Go ahead. All right. So, Rain in the Face was born near the forks of the Cheyenne River in present-day South Dakota around about 1835. He was born into a family of the Hunkpapa, uh, which is one of the seven Lakota tribes of the Great Sioux Nation. And this guy was kind of a proud, uh, even kind of a boastful kind of guy, always eager to tell about his deeds of bravery. And uh, But he had a really fierce hatred of the white men that uh, kind of went along with Sitting Bull. He didn't wasn't fond of the white men, but... Rain in the Face became a war leader who could always be counted on to strike at the enemies. Uh, he was fearless. He was ferocious. He, he was a good warrior. So by early afternoon on June 25th, 1876, Rain in the Face had become a young papa uh, band leader with about 100 followers. And the story of his having been taken prisoner and escaping the clutches of the 7th Cavalry and Lieutenant George Armstrong Custer uh, on April 18th, 1875... But after four months of captivity at Fort Lincoln, Dakota Territory, uh, that story had kind of spread through the Lakota tribes. So in other words, he'd been captured uh, and held for four months. But his bravery had paid off, and as he had once looked to Sitting Bull for leadership and inspiration, the younger warriors now looked to him for this same leadership. 
Now, a week earlier, he had participated in the Battle of the Rosebud on June 17th, and that's when Crazy Horse, of course, led over 1,500 Lakota and Northern Cheyenne warriors to victory against uh, Brigadier General George Crook and his 1,000 troopers. And, of course, we know they successfully halted uh, Crook's advance, and he says, uh, I think he was more wise than brave. <laughs> but anyway, Rain in the Face would later comment about Crook, uh, whom the Lakota called Three Stars. That's who they, how they referred to him. But Rain in the Face and his band were now encamped along the Little Bighorn River in southern Montana with around 10,000 Lakota, Cheyenne, and Arapaho. And this included around 2,000 fighting uh, warriors. Now, the enormous camp stretched on for three miles. Sitting Bull had held a sun dance earlier in the month in which he had a vision of white soldiers falling upside down into their village like grasshoppers. Now, Rain in the Face was eating a meal at a war council when the shout went first went up that soldiers were approaching the village. And, of course, it was Custer and his 7th Cavalry. Who uh, And we know Custer, of course, uh, disregarded warnings from his Crow scouts about the size of this Indian village. Well, Custer had sent uh, Major Marcus Reno and three companies to attack the village from the southeast. Captain Frederick Benteen and three companies would lead a reconnaissance sweep to the southwest. Uh, Custer himself would lead five companies northwest over those hills along the river, and attack the camp from the northeast. So they kind of had a plan, you know, to come in from three different directions. But Rain in the Face took some time getting back to his own lodge and readying himself for the approaching battle. By the time he came out ready to fight, Major Reno and his three companies had already been driven back across the river up to what became known as Reno Hill, and he lost 40 of his troopers along the way. Well, you know, the word soon spread among the village that another group of blue coats, and this was actually Custer and his five companies, were approaching the camp from the bluffs across the river about two miles upstream. Well, hundreds of warriors rode back from Reno Hill and from the Indian encampment to meet this new threat. Now, Rain in the Face fell in with them, and he joined the fighting. He soon spotted a young hunk papa woman named Moving Robe among them. And here's what he said. He said, Behold, there is among us a young woman. Let no young man hide behind her garment. So the war leader was kind of shaming them. To, he said, uh, I knew that would make these young men brave if he kind of shamed them a little bit. So anyway, hundreds of warriors, of course, swarmed to meet Custer and his companies, who soon became overwhelmed and driven back up the bluffs. Now, Gall, a Lakota battle leader, he was just really overcome with grief that two of his wives and three of his children were killed during the Reno attack. And so he came screaming up the bluffs with a hatchet in his hand like a madman. And after helping to drive back Reno's three columns, Crazy Horse turned back and rode northwest along the Little Bighorn River before leading his warriors in a really brilliant tactical sweep up what they called Deep Coulee. And he came up behind Custer and his companies, which cut off, of course, any chance of escape. Mm. Well, you know, the cavalrymen offered what resistance they could against the 2,000 warriors until a final charge led by Crazy Horse broke what was left of their skirmish line. So Custer and his entire five companies, numbering 210 men, including his younger brother, Captain Thomas W. Custer, had been wiped out. 
the Lakota, the Northern Cheyenne, and Arapaho had won their greatest victory against the United States Army. Now, the story that Rain in the Face had cut out and eaten Captain Tom Custer's heart kind of came after the Battle of the Little Bighorn. And some testimony uh, showed this was nothing more than a myth built up around a warrior so feared by his enemies. So on June 28, three days after the battle, Lieutenant Edward S. Godfrey helped bury the bodies. And he recalled, he said, Tom Custer's body was lying face down. Uh, the skull was smashed, and he had a number of arrows uh, had been shot in him. And uh, he said in turning the body over, one arm which had been shot was broken. But uh, he said had Tom Custer's heart been cut out, it would have been obvious and notice, noticeable to this Lieutenant Godfrey. And he made no mention of any kind of mutilation to Tom's chest. So, like I say, it was a myth that was out there, but it was totally false. Um, and Captain Frederick Benteen, he observed Tom Custer's body later, and he wrote, quote, The facts are that Tom Custer's heart was not cut out at all. I am able to substantiate this by affidavit. Mm. And then there was a Dr. Henry R. Porter, the only surgeon to survive the battle. He also examined Tom's body and later said that his heart was not cut out. Mm. Now, when asked if rain in the face had cut out the heart of the soldier, Kill Eagle, a chief of the Blackfeet Lakota tribe, who were camped with the hunk papa at the Little Bighorn, said, rain was with me and he did not do it. So, but you know, it was, it was a myth that uh, I think they just kept spreading and talking about it, but... Anyway, a few minutes before his death, Rain in the Face himself would declare, quote, Many lies have been told about me. Some say I killed the chief, George Custer, and others that I cut out the heart of his brother, Tom Custer, because he caused me to be imprisoned. After the battle, he said, We young men were chasing horses all over the prairie, while the old men and women plundered the bodies. So if any mutilating was done, it was done by the old men. And now that's what he says about it. Now, Tom Custer's heart was neither cut out nor eaten by Rain in the Face, who probably never even approached the dead body. Uh, he was likely too busy tending to a wound that he had suffered during the battle. You see, he'd been, uh, uh, he was riding his horse over a cavalryman that he thought was dead, and he wasn't, and this cavalryman uh, shot his revolver upwards uh, into Rain in the Face's thigh, and it cut out about four inches of his flesh. And uh, anyway, so uh, over the years that followed the battle, a lot of Indians were credited with killing Lieutenant Colonel George A. Custer on that terrible afternoon. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
Rain in the Face was not only among those credited with doing that, but he was at the top of the list of actually shooting Custer. And attempting to determine who really killed George Custer, you know, we really don't know. Uh, and really, the chance that it was Rain in the Face is probably pretty slim. He really probably did not do it. Now, nearly 41 years of age at the time of the battle, so he was an older warrior at the time. So Rain in the Face was not expected to participate in the actual fighting, and he proudly laid claim to having killed a couple of soldiers on horseback with his war club and having taken their scalps. And anyway, Rain in the Face's uh, vivid account of the battle indicates he was really more of an observer that day than really participating in the battle. But the Sioux warrior probably never came close enough to the front lines of the battle to have been the one who killed Custer. Now, later, he declared, he, he said this, he said, quote, no one knows who killed the long-haired chief. Why in that fight the excitement was so great that we could scarcely recognize our nearest friends, everything was going like lightning. So, anyway, so through a lot of newspaper reports, in fact, Henry Longfellow's uh, poem, the Revenge of Rain in the Face, and Elizabeth Custer, who was, you know, Custer's wife, uh, her writings, Rain in the Face's reputation was for having both cut out and devoured Tom Custer's heart and personally killed George Custer. And that just stayed in the mind of a lot of white people for years and years, and it made for a, a good story, and, you know, but it wasn't true. So uh, at, at about age 72... Uh, on May 21st, 1905, the Los Angeles Herald printed an article about this old warrior, which included some pictures uh, of him uh, depicting moments from his life. And it also read, quote, the blood is unchanged and the fire in his eyes kindles now when he speaks of the wrongs of his people. And although seemingly friendly, he is and always will be an enemy of the white. Now, his blood may have remained unchanged, but Rain in the Face had recently converted to Christianity. And having overseen his surrender some 25 years earlier, a guy named Eli L. Higgins would later ask him, uh, which, and this is what he said, which Rain in the Face is more interesting, uh, the savage of a little bighorn or a Presbyterian uh, of Standing Rock? So, <laughs> you know, the fact that he became a Christian, they said, uh, no, no, he was still a, he was still a, a savage. He was... Uh, a killer, you know. So, but anyway, by June 1905, again, he's about 72. Rain in the face had gotten sick, and during the last few months of his life, he lay mostly bedridden in a small log cabin. He had a faithful pet dog that kept him company, and it was during this time that the Standing Rock Reservation Christian missionary, Mary C. Collins, attempted to get a confession from him regarding killing George A. Custer. And he'd, he'd long denied knowledge of it, telling her, <clears throat> quote, My niece, there was no, so much smoke and dust, we do not know who could not see, we could not see. Anyway, after asking him to tell the truth for the sake of history, he rose up on his elbows and he said, quote, Yes, I killed him. I was so close to him that the powder from my gun blackened his face and collapsed, and then he just collapsed back into his pillow. So that's what he said. Now, Historian Charles Eastman also visited the old Sioux and recorded the old warrior's memories of his life, and, and he firmly denied killing Custer or having any knowledge who did. So right there we've got him saying one thing to one person and something else to somebody else. 
You know, let me interrupt you here for a second and uh, ask you a question about the attack itself. When you study the attack at Custer's Last Stand up in Montana and look at the logistics, look at the scenery and everything else, why and how didn't the United States Cavalry really do more reconnaissance as far as what was out there and who was going to attack them? I still don't understand how they could overlook over 2,000 Indians that were about ready to come down on them. Well, in a camp of 10,000. Yeah. Include the women and the children. Yeah. yeah and, and he was warned by his scouts that there was a bigger uh, group. But, you know, there was a lot of, uh, what do you call it, bravado or pride or ego that, you know, a hundred cavalrymen can wipe out a thousand Indians. You know, that, uh, there, was a, there was a lot of pride, that false pride, I would say. So. Well, the other thing that you the other thing you mentioned to me on a program previous was that when it comes to Indian lore and Indian history, they never really wrote anything down on parchment or anything else, and so it was just passed down verbally from generation to generation. Exactly. That's that's why there's there's a lot of uncertainty about really you know everything that happened and really who did kill Custer, but. Let me just, uh, this rain in the face, he was actually never a chieftain, and whether or not he was a hero is kind of open for debate. He lacked the wisdom, the temperance, and the conviction of Sitting Bull. He was without the statesmanship of Red Cloud or the nobility and military genius of Crazy Horse. He was, however, a remarkably complex, he's kind of a controversial figure of his time, and his life was not without courage and, and achievement. I mean, he, he was a brave warrior. Hmm. But Rain in the Face had fought bravely for his people in their defiance of the whites coming in. He was a fierce warrior, uh, but despite his reputation, he was really no more ferocious a Lakota warrior than most of them. He was about, you know, about the same as a lot of them. But through bravery, dedication, and force of personality, he had uh, ascended from warrior to war leader and eventually a Hung Papa band leader, but again, still not a chief. And he sometimes uh, gloried in his notoriety as the slayer of Custer and for an act of cannibalism, which he did not do. And still, this old Dakota appears to have held a little bitterness towards his final days. And his words to this Charles Eastman two months before his death at the Standing Rock Reservation in 1905 were those of a man finally at peace with himself and his approaching end. And he said, quote, I fought for my people and my country. Rain in the face was killed when he put down his weapons before the great father. His spirit was gone then. Only his old body lived on. But now it is almost ready to lie down for the last time. Mm -hmm. And then he said, it is well. So again, who killed Custer at the Battle of the Little Bighorn? Well, the killed in action report of Lieutenant Edward Godfrey counted two bullet wounds to Custer's body, one in his left temple and one to his chest. Since Custer was right-handed, and most Custer historians do not believe it was in his nature to take his own life. So he most likely was killed by one or more warriors uh, while fighting in defense of his men. So I, I think we can rule out... Uh, uh, suicide, I, you know, that just doesn't seem to fit. But, you know, of all the parts of our history, 
this battle, along with like Billy the Kid and other uh, dignitaries, if you will, of the Old West, there are still so many unanswered questions about the Battle of the Little Bighorn. And my question to you would be, if uh, Rain in the Face died in 1905, did he have any family members, sons and daughters, that carried on his story uh, to almost the point where you and I were born? You know, I mean, it wasn't that far before. For us, yeah, you know, it says that he had a niece. So, but it, I find nothing about him being married or uh, family. But you know, where he lived that long, uh, I would expect. I'm sure he probably was married, and and I would assume he probably had children. Okay. So, but it, you know, where his his Indian name was Rain in the Face, and his Indian name was, uh, and I'm going to try this. It was. Ita Omagazu, something like that. Ooh, okay. Face of the storm. Okay. So I I don't know what a family name would be by now. I don't know. Well, I tell you what, it was an interesting story, and all your stories are excellent, and I was not aware. I thought he was a chief at one time, but you said he wasn't. No, he was a band leader. I see. He led about 100 uh, warriors, but he was never actually a chief. But I would encourage anybody that has a chance to go to that battlefield. Oh, yes. And you and I have talked about it's really a somber feeling. And, yes. You know, they've been able to de- uh, determine by finding bullets, spent bullets, where certain warriors stood and where certain soldiers stood. And it's pretty amazing what they put together historically, uh, the accuracy of where different people were standing when they were killed or when they were shooting. Absolutely. Dr. History, thank you so much. God bless you, man. Please be in touch. Give me a call. I'll look forward to it, and thank you for being on the program this week. You have a good day, Zeb. All right. right. Dr. History, outstanding story about the Little Bighorn.